1: Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. So excited to be here with you on this Wednesday morning. Spoiler alert, we have Dr. Grant Pichet here in the studio. So uh, if you've been missing her, we are live this morning with her. I'm Shannon Penrod. We are coming to you live from the Warner Center in Woodland Hills, California. This is the home for Autism Live. It is also the home for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. So thrilled to be coming to you on this Wednesday morning. I want to remind you that next Wednesday is our big Halloween show. Show, you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, but today we are live in the studio for the next two hours. We're going to have Dr. Doreen Grampuche in just a minute asking, answering your questions, not asking you questions, although maybe asking you questions too, answering your questions in a segment we call Ask Dr. Doreen. And then in the next hour, we have Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. My co-host Nancy Allspot Jackson will be joining me. Our guest during that hour will be the fabulous. Licensed marriage and family therapist Vince Redmond and also author Maxine Rosalier Who is the author of Queen for a Day a hilarious book that is a must read for any autism mom Or anyone who loves an autism mom. It is hilarious Uh, In any case, uh, we're here now and we want to interact with you We want to hear what you think what you have questions about what you're concerned about or just your general thoughts Uh, So there's lots of ways that you can connect with us, and we're showing you some of the different ways that you can connect with us. I want to remind you that our homepage is autism-live.com. When you go there, a whole lot of things to do and a whole bunch more are coming to you. In just a few days, we're going to be going live with our new website and our toy guide, toy and gift guide for 2018 will go live on that website. I'm going to sneeze. I'm so excited about it then it went away uh don't you hate that when that happens okay uh but it's i uh we've been working on this toy guide forever it's really exciting so on november 1st our new website goes live and the new toy guide will go live and this year it's interactive where you can if you like a toy you can click on it and buy it right from there which is a really cool thing and it we've also expanded it and put in an entire category just for parents. Last year we had the a category for adults that are on the spectrum, we thought, why are we leaving the parents out? So, so they are the really cool gifts that are on that list, and we're gonna be demoing for them for you in the months of November and December. So a really, really exciting. Uh, but also wanna remind you, until then, uh, the website, the way it works now is you click on the triangle that is on the computer screen. It starts the live show playing, or the most recently recorded live show. To the side of all that is something we call the live feature all you have to do is put your cursor there type and hit enter it doesn't cost you anything you don't have to log in you don't have to be able to pick how many pictures have a bridge how much do we love that none of that you don't have to have a username a password nothing uh it's all free just interact with us that's all that we ask of you all right i don't want to belabor it anymore because it's time for ask dr doreen Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet. Yay, Dr. Dr. Doreen, Doreen really is an expert it. in Autism. Doreen Doreen Grand-Pichet. Dr. Grand-Pichet. Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet. Dr. Doreen Grand-Pichet is a visionary in the field of Autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. back to Autism Live and oh, ask Dr. Doreen. It's
2: so good to be back.
1: It's been a while. It's been a long time. Yeah. And we always miss you when Thank you're gone. Thank you so much. But Thank we you. know that you have other important things to do and other important places I to go. I appreciate
2: it. It's been a lot of traveling for me. But I also know I think the show was off for a few weeks anyway. Or We've
1: had a couple of shows off here and yeah. there uh, hit and miss. So it's uh, good to be back. It is good to be back, it's thrilling to be back. Always wonderful to be here with you. And for people who don't know, Dr. Grampuche is a true expert in the field of autism. I believe the preeminent expert in the field of autism. She's a visionary in this field. She uh, can not only see what's coming around the corner, which I think is amazing, Mm -hmm. but she's always thinking about the entire autism community, not just the individual, although of course the individual, but thinking about the family and the community and how we can get the entire community Community to participate so that we can move, remove roadblocks right yeah, and make to, more things that's possible right, That's right. Uh, well I appreciate thank you thank you very much I, I do You're say always, behind your back you embarrass me no I I, I say behind your back all the time that I would follow you into a burning building because I would so know much. you were that's... going in for a good reason yeah right and I would I, I don't I don't know too many other people I can I mean like obviously I would follow my son into a burning building but even if it was my husband I'd be like honey what are you doing <laughs> why are you going into the burning building right so i think there's you and jem that i would be like no i'm going in but you you you, i would know you were going in for a good reason even with jem i would be like i don't know why you're going in i'm not sure if it's right but i'm going in with you you. you, yeah yeah with my husband i'd be like don't do that i've asked you not to do that (laughs) (laughs) i love my husband my husband's the best um but i would still be like honey
2: I would be questioning him anyway.
1: <laughs> of course I would. Of course I would. So thrilled to be here with you and have you answer people's Thank questions. You it's a lovely thing that you donate this hour to be able to answer people's My questions. My pleasure. We do like to give a disclaimer at the start of the show to remind people that there is no expert in any field with any amount of expertise that could give individual specific advice in this particular format. So that's not what we're doing, but if you write in and if you're as specific as possible, what Dr. Grampy Shea will do is she'll give Give you information based on her knowledge but then you need to take that back to the experts who have eyes on the individual to help you to figure out what to do next right. but you know it's this is a, a huge savings of time and money and and it's a great thing to take a tour of Dr. Grampy brain so that you know you, you don't have to the amount of time you would have to spend looking up the answers that she gives you it like you would never have enough time well, because it's a lifetime of experience.
2: And continues to be learning. Well, I also learn a lot of stuff as time goes on.
1: But, you know, that's another thing that I really appreciate about you is that I I have had the opportunity now to be in a lot of rooms with you and see, and, and when I tell you guys she's the real deal, I have seen many times when I thought... Well, the easier decision would be to do one thing, and you never pick the easy way. You always pick the right way. I'm always impressed, always, Thank you, Jen. with that what you decide lot. to do. Thank you much. And um, and I know for people watching, you know, it can be very confusing in the autism world about who can you trust, mm. who's in this for the right reasons, and I always say behind your back. I don't think I say it enough to you, but <laughs> she's the real deal. She is the real, real deal. Thank you very much. I always doing the right it. thing. Thank I appreciate so it. I, that's why I would follow her into a burning building. Okay. Now, <laughs> okay, let's, let's get down to some questions. Okay. So uh, this was one that came in a while ago, but I wanted to have you discuss it because we don't want to leave things up to me. do yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Because what do I know? Uh, but anyway, so, uh, and this is somebody who's studying to be a BCBA wrote in and said, can you explain uh, what pairing is when discussing ABA? How long does the process take, and how do you know the place you have chosen uh, is doing it well?
2: Yeah, and so I kind of need a little bit more information ah. because I'm, you know, I don't know exactly what you're referring to. So pairing could refer to many different things. I, it could be the pairing of two stimuli. It could be pairing of a reinforcer with a particular stimulus. So maybe you can write in and tell us. Okay a little bit more what it is you're referring to.
1: Okay, wonderful. So we'll look forward to them writing back and saying that. Okay, the next question. Good morning, ladies. I would love for Dr. Doreen or any other specialist to answer my question, please. I'm in New Jersey and currently looking for a school For my 8-year-old with autism, he's at home with me right now because the school he attended last year was a big mess. It was a special needs school and uh, my, uh, my son acquired so many negative behaviors while he attended there. Uh, the school he attended before this one was an <coughs> autism school with ABA uh, all day long, but we decided it was not appropriate for him anymore because he's very verbal and had uh, had no one to make friends with since all the other kids were nonverbal or had very little language. My son is considered high-functioning on the spectrum since he has lots of language and can talk in sentences for all his needs, uh, things he likes, things that bother him, um, like if he's in pain, and when it comes to things he's interested in, he can talk for a very long time about it. He's very smart, but has behaviors okay. like hitting his head, and and then they did not continue. Um, so this is a question in this neighborhood that we get a lot from people that there is that gray area of kids that the uh, school just doesn't know what to do with them because mm-hmm. they can speak. Um, so, and some schools tend to want to put them with kids who are very profoundly affected, Mm -hmm. which, you know, parents will write to us and say, I don't think that's where my child belongs, um, but, and they don't know, because schools don't quite know what to do with them. So what would you suggest? They're in New Jersey.
2: Right. So, uh, you know, and I, I was looking at it from also a different perspective, which is that we you know, if a child has Um, a lot of deficits, like suffering from sort of severe aspects of autism, then then those are the times where you might actually look at special education, which Mm -hmm. this is special education. And then you would say, okay, now I'm focused, because there are so many things to teach, I will focus on those things that are the -hmm. most necessary, the most important, like let's say language, communication, safety, whatever it is, right? But then there are situations where a child is higher functioning, and to begin with, I'm not sure looking at a special ed school is the right placement. So, and again, it's really hard for me because I don't know your child, I haven't seen your child, but I, I do wanna make a few comments on, yeah. on what you've written. So, you, know, he's a, he, he, you wrote that he is considered higher functioning on the spectrum I assume someone has said that to you, which is great. That's a good sign. And he's very verbal. and um, he had no one to make friends. He's very verbal. He talks in sentences. He had a lot of, he has a lot of language. He can express his needs. He can talk about the things he likes. He talks about the things that bother him or if he has pain. Um, he could talk about the things he's interested in for very so to me this is actually a higher functioning child and Really, you're not going to find an autism classroom that is going to be appropriate for him What you most likely need is a regular education classroom with a one-to-one aid for him plus a lot of hours of ABA outside of the school so, um, and let me just go back and talk about how that works. Yeah. Let, uh, I just want you to also know that hitting his head it has nothing at all to do with the severity of his autism. The hitting his head has to do with frustration, uh, not knowing how to express his frustrations, and not understanding, uh, not being able to self-regulate. You know, we all get upset. Uh, we all have kind of internal tantrums, but we've learned to, and even children, uh, over time, the, that's what one of the things that's you know, taming, right? We tame, we, the environment tames us mm-hmm. and teaches us that tantruming in certain conditions is not okay. In other conditions, when you're a little child, it's very acceptable. So what happens with our kids is they never really learn that ta- hitting his head and so on is not okay. And I'll tell you why. Because when a child hits his head, our normal reaction is to completely freak out. Like everyone, if you see a child hitting their head against the wall, let's say, we all panic and we run to the child. And what the child learns is that this is the easiest way for me to get attention. Um, it's way easier than to ask. It's way easier to help than to help to wait for help. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's the fastest, quickest, easiest way to get attention. So, uh, you know, please I'm not saying don't pay attention to him when he hits his head because we would need to do a real functional assessment and figure out exactly why he's hitting his head. But why I'm, what I'm telling you here is that hitting your head is not, doesn't detract from the high functioning level of autism that he's, he has. So um, being a high functioning child Um, you need to shoot for a little bit higher goals. And what that is is regular education with lots of modifications for him um, and that goes through an IEP. So you can have an IEP, an individualized education plan for him where you request a one-to-one aide who's helping him through every activity and modifications, accommodations, that's what they're referred to as accommodations. So things like you know, you will be given the homework ahead of time. You will be told uh, the material that he needs to study. The one-to-one aid will help make things a little bit easier for him, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of that sort of stuff is modified for him. But now there will be areas, not just in his academics, but in other things as well, like making friends and socializing and showing appropriate behavior and so on. There will be things that the one-to-one aide or the teacher cannot teach him, And so those will be things that will be taught to him through his actual ABA program. And so you need an ABA program. We are actually in New Jersey. Um, There are other providers that are in New Jersey. New Jersey is a mandated state. There's a lot of insurance coverage. So what you end up doing is you find a regular program, school program for him, and you find a a provider of ABA services. He'll be going, he's only eight, so you could even have him go to school part-time, so he doesn't have to go the whole day. Um, Even if he goes the whole day, you still have all weekends and every afternoon to receive ABA. And you could easily give him 20, 25 hours of ABA, which is perfect and wonderful, and it would make a huge difference for him in his life. so push him a little bit harder and give him a lot of tutoring
0: and help.
1: Yeah, I always think about if if we were gonna like for instance, I don't know, I'm not a golfer, I don't know how to golf, okay. and if I were to go and and you know somebody handed me a golf club and said, okay, let's golf now, and you got three seconds to <clears throat> hit this tee, and I'm not gonna do it right the first time, and if they said, well now it's you just forge on. And and every time we get up to the golf tee, nobody tells me what I'm doing wrong. I get no instruction. By the eighth hole, I'm going to be frustrated. I'm not going to want to do it anymore. I'm not going to be having a good time, even though it's supposed to be something that's a leisure activity. Absolutely. And for our kids going to school, it's that times a million because they're every single activity at school, if you don't know how to negotiate it, you just keep hitting... A wall and it doesn't work right Right. but if we give them the ABA on the side it helps them to be able to take that moment pare it down get practice doing it and then go back into the classroom and using it so you know for the younger kids I hear you say all the time when we have the four-year-olds who aren't ready to go to school yet and school wants them to come to nursery school keeping them at the center Mm -hmm. getting them revs so when they're five they go great, but for the eight-year-olds, I think we forget all the time how important it is to be giving them a a, a workout area where they can perfect the things that they want to do at school.
2: Absolutely, Shannon. And also, it's even more than that, I think. It's not just that they don't know what to do, it's also that they've learned a completely different thing to do, which now becomes completely non-functional for them. So, just as an example, I don't remember who, wh- which wise mom said this to me, but it was definitely a mom um, who said that when our kids are young, when they're babies, they um, they cry, yeah. and we learn to when typically developing babies, right? And that's fine because that is the way the baby communicates. Yeah. They cry one way if they wanna be changed, one way if they're hungry, one way if whatever, they want attention and play, or whatever it is, or if they're tired, right? So we learn that. Now with our kids on the spectrum, at, at, with typically developing kids, at one point it's not appropriate anymore. Like at one and a half or two, if someone's crying for food, we're, we'll every mom will hold the food and say, use your words, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me what you want, whatever it yeah. is, right? We teach our kids that way. With our kids on the spectrum, we don't do that because we're so shocked by the, te- the label autism. Um, and because in some cases it's hard for them, right? Yeah. It's impo- they have apraxia, they have other issues, so they can't really switch over to, to, to other more adaptive ways of communication. Mm-hmm. So these types of things like hitting their head, tantruming and so on, remain as forms of communication. Then they go to school and all of a sudden, guess what, it's not okay. So, you know, it's not the child's fault by any means. These are things that the child has learned has been have been effective for him in the past. Yeah. Now he's going to school. And yes, of course, this mom is right. There's a lot of school programs that just don't have the resources to help with these types of situations. But I have to tell you, and Shannon, you'll agree, for those of us who've been around for a while, this is a good era to have a child with really autism. Is. Let me tell you, like having a child on the spectrum and having access to um, insurance coverage is incredible. Having so many people in schools who actually even know what autism is yeah. is incredible. I mean, you know, just 10 years ago, there was no health co- coverage at all. So think about that. I, yeah. Mean, yeah. I
1: will say, though, that I do think that the education system has not cut up to how well our kids can do. So you'll see a lot of places, I mean we just went through this when Jen went to go to junior high that the junior high school said to us we don't do inclusion. We don't believe in inclusion. Yeah. And you yeah. said to me, don't, don't, don't you accept listen, that? Yeah. Don't you accept that, Shannon, you keep on pushing and tell them don't because they wanted to put him in an SD class. He'd never been in an SD class. And you said, don't, don't you let them do that. He's ready. Yeah. And, and that spurred me on. And I said, no, you cannot discriminate against him. You can't just put everybody in a room. And they were saying, but he'll be safer there. And I said, your lack of being able to control your other kids is not a reason to segregate my child. And as a parent, you have to get your Norma Ray on. You really do. And you have to go in and say, you know, it's a free appropriate public education and it's individualized. That's why it's called an IEP. So this isn't what you're offering me is not appropriate for my child. It has to be individualized. My child needs to be in a gen ed classroom with support. And FAPE the Free Appropriate Public Education, um, it's in IDEA and it says in the least restrictive environment in which your child can access a floor of opportunity to uh, access the curriculum. So you you have the right for your child to be in that gen ed classroom. But I do think that the frustration piece as you were saying the ABA Look, I have a whole new take on tantrums in, in the menopause years. I have a whole new take on them because I have thrown a couple of tantrums recently, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Because if I can't get anybody, I, I think there is a cruel joke in life that menopause comes when we have teenagers. I think this is particularly God laughing at us, right? Yeah. And um, this is God
2: giving us the opportunity to go to another level. Is That's that what, what it is? is.
1: And um, so I'm at that other level. I'm at a higher learning frequency than. Uh, so, but uh, you know, I've thrown a couple of tantrums because it's the only way I can get somebody to listen to right, me. Right. But when somebody gives me more skills so that I can communicate, right. um, then I do. And if your child is getting the ABA, piece on the side, then the tantrums won't be there, the banging the head on the desk won't be there, which means the school will be better able to see what's happening. Because schools look at the hitting the head and they go, oh, that's not the gen ed classroom. It can be, it should be. But I do think that you're you're still going to have to do some inroads and be a little bit of a pioneer for the inclusion piece, but you will leave with more for your child if you do, and you'll leave behind a legacy for other people coming behind. I know when we left Gems Junior High School, they said, thank you. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that we could do what we just did. That's
2: amazing. And
1: I said, I knew you could do it. That's
2: amazing. Um, That's and it awesome.
1: was. It was amazing. So, That's awesome. so stick uh, you to know, your guns. But absolutely. I did that because you said to.
2: Well, I'm glad you did that because not only for Jem's sake, obviously, but also for other kids absolutely. And, and other parents. Like, the, uh, part of this, I think, is just also our own internal fears. Oh, yeah. Like, as, as a parent, you just don't want to push your child to the point where they're tantruming, right? So it's like, we have end up also avoiding that experience and we also worry and fear our children failing so we only tend to do what that teacher was saying put them in an environment where they're safer because you know safety means everything's fine for now right it doesn't necessarily mean things are gonna be fine in the future right because this child needs to learn stuff that he will use in the future and he's not gonna learn it in this class so those are the types of things, like we just have to be brave about this. It's not, a, it's, we you, as a parent, I have to say, I don't know about other fields because this has been my life, right? I don't know much about anything other than autism. So I, this is a field where every positive change has been brought about by parents. Mm-hmm. Parents have done everything in this field. And, You have to be a parent, you are a parent, you have to be one of those parents, you have to be fearless, and you have to continue this march. That's what it is. It's a process you and I are now looking back and saying it's so much better now than 10 years ago. Are you kidding me? You know, 40 years ago, people didn't know how to diagnose it. Nobody knew what it is, so.
1: I love to think about where we're headed. Oh, the progress has been
2: astounding, yes. It is
1: absolutely amazing. So we're gonna take a break, but Uh, When we come back, we're going to be answering more of your questions, and you can write in on our live features. I haven't been able to access them yet, but I'll be taking a look during the break to see what you guys are writing in, questions on Facebook, YouTube, uh, you name it. So stick with us. We'll be right back after these messages.
3: When Maddie was diagnosed, I'll be honest, I was very ignorant on what autism was. I knew that autism was basically something that hit boys at the age of two to three and shut down. And with Maddie, she was doing all the same signs and symptoms as a typical child with autism spectrum disorder. Stand up. I was thinking that we might be moving somewhere so that people could assist us either in the house or us going to see our daughter because she was shutting down to a point that She wouldn't even recognize you being there by putting your hand in her face and yelling her name.
4: She didn't even acknowledge us coming into the room. She had barely any eye contact. She didn't interact with her sisters. She didn't really do anything. She just basically lined up her toys, and that was about it. With eight volunteers, including my husband and I, and I'm the team leader, and so I do all the curriculum and, and get everything ready each week.
3: Jana was downstairs until 11 o'clock at night working on curriculum going through two different textbooks.
5: Look, who's that?
3: And then we as a group meet on Monday nights and we would go through what the curriculum was from Jana and a lot of times we would go, well, how exactly do you do that? How do you sit her at the table and, and do this trial base? Yeah! With what Skills has done for us, it's taken that away from Jana trying to figure out the curriculum for one. She can go down, or on our, even on our laptop, and she can sit down and through all these questions, it comes up with the different programs.
4: At least for me, it was a relief off my shoulders. I was worried that I might be missing a curriculum that maybe she needs to know, where the skills, they have every, every possible thing your child needs to know from zero to seven, they have a program for that.
6: What noise is this?
4: Every program that we did with her, I knew it was specific for what she needed to learn. Because before skills, it was a lot of, okay, well, is that really age appropriate for a two-year-old? You know, because it's not generalized, it's anywhere from zero to seven, this is what your child needs to know in most, in most manuals you'll find. But for this, okay, yep, she should be learning this. And no, she's not four yet, she doesn't need to know that yet.
3: We are so fortunate that Jana was able to attend a conference put on by card, that opened the door for skills, and that um, there's no looking back for us.
4: We started using the program in November, and it seemed like by January something just clicked. And she has completely kind of came out of her fog that she was in for quite a while.
3: I have never read a documented case on any child that has not benefited anything. From applied behavior analysis, and uh, now with this new skills and being, you know, like the e version of ABA, I can't imagine that it doing anything harmful to their child. It, it's nothing but exponential growth for us.
4: To see her now, it is—it just blows us away. I mean, we call her our little miracle child because in seven months' time, she has just blossomed into this normal functioning child.
3: She is developing roundly, she is socializing, she's playing with her peers, she's learning from her peers. It's very joyous.
4: Maddie, can you tell me what you see outside? No. Snow?
3: If you're even thinking about doing it, do it. Because the absolute worst thing you can do is do nothing at all. And even if you use this program and it's just a single mom or a single dad working in the evenings with their child, this program is going to benefit them. It's going to show you where they are, it's going to show you where they need to go, and it's going to show you what skills and how to get there. It is an online book on how to help recover your child.
1: Welcome back to Autism Live during Ask Dr. Doreen. Dr. Doreen Grampiche is here with us in the studio. She's answering your questions in real time. Now, we had a bunch of comments that came in on Facebook, and of course, on mine, they're a little bit uh, mixed around, so I'm going to see if I can get this right. We had somebody who wrote in and said, uh, are there any tips for someone who is nonverbal starting a pre-K program? He says, they want. how do I help him to transition to preschool? He uses sign language and some PECs. We're waiting for card evaluation for ABA soon. Mm -hmm. Um, He will start in January, but not sure if it is an SPED class. And a couple of people have written in talking to him, saying that they had a child went to an autistic pre-K class. Uh, He only had to go 8 to 11, so it wasn't bad. If he's having trouble, you can uh, request this so that Mm -hmm. it's a part day. Um, And somebody else who said the teachers will quickly pick up on his cues. Um, And they said he's really academically smart. He knows all his letters, knows all of his numbers, uh, 1 through 20, uh, knows all of his colors and all of his shapes, memorizes words. He's working on tracing letters and numbers with his finger. He's able to drink out of a cup, uh, able to drink out of a cup now. There's just no verbal communication. Um, and so a lot more discussion among uh, the people about uh, the verbal piece. Does, does
2: that parents say how old this child I is? I think
1: Gabriel, we on the first part that I don't have, we got an age, didn't we? It's pre K, so is it four, three or four?
2: Yeah. Preschool three.
1: soon, okay. so we don't have an actual year.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a few different things here. Um, it is. So the fact that he knows all those things is great. Those are concrete skills that have to do with memory, and that's great for him. And that's very, very good. It doesn't jive with the fact that he's tracing the letters with his fingers. So my first reaction is, oh, his fine motor skills are delayed. Like I, you know, you need to make sure that you you do a broad assessment, which Skills really provides that to a lar- large extent, so that you assess across the board. So make sure because motor is very important for everything. It's gross motor develops, then fine motor, then oral motor. So the fact that he's not talking and he's tracing with his finger makes me think there's a motor issue, uh, which could also influence the movement of the tongue, right? So I would really do, I would definitely do more practice on the the uh, oral motor muscles. And, of course, speech paths are very good at...
1: He's about to be three.
2: He's about to. So he's really young. He's yeah. a little guy. That's awesome. I wouldn't be worried about him. He's way too young right now to establish that he's nonverbal. So please, let's not go there yet. Yeah. I would really focus a lot on oral motor exercises and trying to get utterances. Does he... Since you're live, this is great. Like, I'm, now I'm like... in. <laughs> Does he, does he, um, does he uh, make any sounds at all when he wants things, for instance, or is he completely mute? Like that's, even grunting. Right, right, uh, that's write really let us know. So I would really focus on those things. Now, I'm a supporter, I'm, I'm a stronger supporter, well, there's good stuff about sign language and there's good stuff about PEG's program. I wouldn't do both, definitely. I mean, he's super smart if he's communicating with both. Super smart, like he's he's tolerating you guys. (laughs) You know, like he's like, all right, fine, change (laughs) languages. I'll do both. Uh But uh, um, I would, if it was me, I would probably choose Pecs only because um, the world can understand Pecs, right? Not everyone can understand. He says
1: cookie, so he can say cookie.
2: Oh, you need to work on language. You need to work on language. This is it's super exciting. So let's talk a little bit about the next steps because you got to do a whole bunch of stuff now. He's a two-year-old. You have to don't even worry about school right now. Just put that on the side. This is not something you need to focus on. What you need to focus on at two is getting him a forty-hour a week ABA program. Yes, you heard me. Forty hours a week one-to-one ABA. And that program will come in and work heavily. They will use Pex probably as his primary mode for now but they will use it to get his language going. So this will involve a lot of verbal imitation, and you can start that right now. In fact, please go on skills. I'm like, now I want you to start today. Yeah. So go on skills, um, which-
1: Skillsforautism.com.
2: Skillsforautism.com. And you will answer questions. Go in the, uh, just uh, get license. I think, I'm not sure how much it is. It's very inexpensive.
1: well, I think that it's around $75 a month, but when you call to get it, and we do encourage you to get skills to start because you'll be able to see exactly where he is. But when you call, say that you're calling because you saw it on Autism Live and they will, and ask them for Shannon's friends and family discount and they'll take off. Quite a substantial amount. Like That's I think great. it's thirty percent off if you say that you're calling uh, after seeing it on Autism Live.
2: That's perfect. And
1: if they don't give you the f- Shannon friends and family call, you know, call me. Yeah. And I'll make sure that you get that because you're, there is a discount. So
2: th- you definitely need to do that. So please get become a Skills member. Then you'll receive a whole ton of questions. Now he's only. Shortly three so you won't it won't be as many questions as if he was eight so but you'll get a whole ton of questions, probably around three four hundred questions When you get these you can go and come back and you don't have to do it all in one sitting When you get the questions just answer them the questions are very simple does your child do X and you say yes or no um, and if you don't know you can test it and then come back and answer it or you could just say I don't know And if you say I don't know it'll list those items and you can test them later, but they're basic things, but they're across all Modalities, so they will be from language social play academic um, uh, Let's see adaptive uh, cognitive and executive functions, and what am I missing? There's one motor, did I say motor? So it's across all areas of functioning. You'll get questions, and you'll say yes or no. Anything that he can do will go into a pool of, great, these are already mastered. Like for instance, academically, he'll be very advanced, okay? Uh, Anything that he cannot do will go into sort of a supermarket of lessons and skills that need to be taught in order to catch him up to his age, okay? Which will be a lot of language, possibly a lot of social stuff, and so on.
1: I just want to remind you, because I had forgotten too, they're saying that um, they're in the process of starting with CARD Mm -hmm. and that CARD has just come to their town. So they're just opening an office in their town. So they're going to ask you to do the skills assessment anyway.
2: They are, but I just don't want to delay things. Exactly. and, And that's great if you are starting with card maybe even just send your information to shannon and honestly we can walk over and ask admissions to push it forward as much as possible um i just want you to start because you are you have a child who's not yet three who is showing signs of being high functioning and intelligent and the non-verbal part is what we do we'll teach him to speak it's just I want you to start and not waste any more time because it's super exciting to get your child in there and to try to teach him or her as much as possible.
1: And there are things that you can be doing on skills as you wait to ramp up to having your therapist for a card. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, and for people who are watching, and I don't have my little tent. Veronica, I know that you're watching. If there's any way you can go in my office and bring my little skills tent into me, because I rely on it greatly, and I don't have it on my desk today. Um, but skills is a wonderful tool that you can use in a lot of different ways. But one of the things you can do with skills is take an assessment, and it will tell you exactly where your child is. Then it shows you all the lessons that Dr. Graham Pichet was just talking about. So you can be anywhere in the world and ask for that friends and family discount. Tell them Shannon sent you from Autism Live. Anybody can have access to that. But if you are a card client, you automatically get it. That's right. And And there's no extra cost to you if you're a card client. No,
2: not at all. And as a card client, not only do you get access, but your supervisor kind of lives on skills. Like they just go one by one and teach... Select from those lessons once you've done the assessment and that's how we put the treatment plan together for your child But okay. what I want to also tell you is that you know if if it's a new site We're probably pretty anxious to start all the families there to build the site, but what I, I do want to tell you This is the time where you should also probably be educating yourself as much as possible and so another really good resource is IBT which is Institute for behavioral training and the uh url for that is ibehavioraltraining.com and uh you you should get on there and uh start looking at some of those modules there's a whole bunch of stuff there like what is autism what is aba how do i teach my child to communicate how do i teach my child to not tantrum how do i deal with my child in a restaurant whatever it is all these different things and The more of these you can do, the more you'll feel like you speak the language. It's really important. Like we get pretty technical in ABA because it's not like talk therapy or something. It's very specific uh, ways of teaching small skills and then building on them and so on. And so there's a lot of lingo. And getting yourself familiar with, you know, what's an SD and how do I shape something or fade it or whatever, all that sort of stuff is really important.
5: Yeah.
2: it' extremely important because you're the one that's gonna actually carry the hours through to real life all the time as well. So that's something you should be doing. The other thing you should be doing is just looking on Autism Lives wa- website okay and looking at all the incredible video footage that's there, like from other families, there's a whole series of Mission Possible where families are talking about what happened with their child. There's the Mm -hmm. A word which takes you day by day through the life of this little boy and how he's acclimating and his family's acclimating to ABA. I mean, just go ahead and check out a lot of these things because inform yourself and It'll make you feel very much supported by this community.
1: I have to say, I mean, I am very particularly proud of the fact that we have a playlist that's just jargon of the day. We've been doing this for years where we take a jargon term and I give you the actual definition and then I make fun of it the actual definition, and then I give you the watered down, like, the you know, how to understand it from our point of view and give you an example. And I love that I'm hearing from all these colleges that they're oh, using course. it in their BCBA programs no way. and cracking up because I make fun of, I say, and now the definition that will give the BCBAs hives, but that we can understand. And they're they're using them to actually train the BCBAs, also, which I, 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 I get very excited. I get goosebumps when I hear that from from colleges and, and universities and, and BCBA programs. But it it's meant for the parents, because I do make fun of the terms
7: yeah, that you yeah. guys use, and go, yeah, let's make
1: it easy. So in any case, um, I, I definitely see that you're doing a lot of the things that um, Dr. Grampy asked you to do want to remind you, and we're going to take a break so that uh, Veronica can give me my little skills tent so that I can be talking more proficiently about skills because there's a phone number and I can't remember it, but I want to give you my email address so that if you want to reach out directly to me, s.penrod at autism-live.com, because there are a lot of things that you can be doing to get yourself set up for success. Uh, for day one when your card therapist when your team is assembled it's a very exciting time yeah it's very good when you're someplace where a card office is opening i mean you're really a pioneer you're a part of the beginning of a change that will happen in your community that's so exciting i've seen it happen so many times now And that you're at the forefront of it is a very exciting thing. And particularly with a child with these particular skills, this is going to be a good thing for you.
2: Absolutely. And it's a a fun time. Oh, my God. Like, if he's saying kooky right now, very first thing one of the very first lessons we work on is manding which is requesting objects and items and he'll be saying five ten more words very shortly so it'll be very fun
1: they said he also says ice cream when he's hot because yeah. he wants to cool off so I mean that's like putting a bunch of things together yeah that's very smart. super smart Very super smart.
2: smart. So I love that all right okay. let's
1: take a break and then we have a question that came in about potty training a five-year-old that I want to get to and we have another question um, here that I want to about a regional center client but let's take a break, and we're going to get my skills tent in here so that I- Ileana Fajeda won't uh, you know, run <laughs> me out of town on a rail. All right, stick with us right back after these messages.
6: Hi, guys. Welcome back to Smarty. This month, we're going to be creating a popsicle puzzle. As we do this fun activity, you'll notice these icons will pop up. These icons tell you important information about the skills we're using to create the craft and where you can find them on the skills program. Skills is an ABA-based tool that helps parents create a curriculum that will help their children that are on the autism spectrum. Well, let's get started. The materials you'll be needing are popsicle sticks, tape, and arts and crafts materials. So step one, you're going to take your popsicle sticks and lay them down and cover them with tape so they don't move around. Now that my popsicle sticks have been secured with tape, here comes the fun part. You're going to take your arts and crafts materials, they could be paint, markers, whatever you have, and then you're going to decorate this with a beautiful picture. This is the beautiful picture that I made. Now what I'm going to do is remove the tape. And now, as you can see, they come apart. And here is your awesome puzzle. Now, the fun part is trying to assemble the picture that you just made, now that it's all been separated. I hope you enjoyed this activity with me. Until next time guys, craft on! To find more about skills and to access all of the lessons you saw in today's Smartie, visit skillsforautism.com and click on the parents icon, skills the Online Autism Solution.
7: Do you provide care services to someone with autism? Recently, more and more children are being diagnosed with the condition and getting the support they need as awareness grows. But what happens to these children as they grow up? It's estimated that over half a million youth with autism will turn 18 in the next decade, and they'll be faced with a very difficult reality. As children with autism grow up, their services start to disappear or become very difficult to access. Things like medical care, mental health counseling, vocational training, and more. All services that are still desperately needed. The loss of support that youth with autism face as they grow up is so severe that it's referred to in the autism community as falling off a cliff. Adults with autism need the same level of support they had as children. To avoid falling off the surface's cliff. Introducing Skills Living, the web based software designed specifically to help transitioning youth and adults with autism so they can avoid the cliff and instead fly to success. With Skills Living, help your learner with autism develop the skills they need in all the critical areas of adult life, including self control, planning, and problem solving, effective communication performing life skill tasks for independent living, acquiring and maintaining employment or other meaningful activities, developing and maintaining social skills and relationships, accessing transportation and public services, and being safe. Skills living includes a comprehensive assessment, a data collection mobile app, behavior intervention plan builder, and automatic progress reporting. It also provides a complete curriculum addressing 16 key areas spanning the entire range of functioning adulthood. Skills Living is easy to use and can be implemented by schools, parents, and autism service providers. Call or click today for your free demo and see how Skills Living can help your learner with autism avoid the cliff and instead reach their fullest potential. Skills Living. Wish. Learn. Become.
1: Just, Welcome back. And um, so thrilled to, to be here with you. Uh, I, I love somebody said, I just happened to stumble upon this. I'm definitely going to look into skills. Let me just tell you, we couldn't find the tent, but here's the phone number for skills. You can go to skillsforautism.com, but the phone number is 877 975 4559. Don't forget to say, I was watching this on Autism Live and I want Shannon's friends and family discount. And if they don't know what that is, it's somebody new, reach out to me, s.penrod at autism-live.com, and I'll, I'll get you the friends and family discount. That I can do. Okay. Um, now, somebody else had written in and said, okay, so help with potty training, five-year-old autistic boy who refuses to, mainly number two. He just doesn't even acknowledge it, but we've tried a lot, rewarding and visuals. So what do you say, Dr. Grampuchet?
2: Yeah, so the, I, I'm I'm super cautious about giving advice on potty training because I don't want to mess anything up. Um, and he's a he. You're working on bowel movement training, which is even a little bit more difficult than training for urination. But uh, I, what I always say is we have two things going on. One is we have a series of videos here that we've done on this subject, and and Sienna, I believe, did a really kind of extensive one, mm-hmm. and you can look that one up. Mm-hmm. How they look that up is just put in the... T- in the.
1: It's easiest if you go to our YouTube page, so it's uh, youtube.com slash live and put in potty training. We, we show it a lot on the air. Here, um, But the other thing that you can do, quite frankly, is if you just Google Ask Dr. Doreen. Okay. Um, because what that does, and this will be coming on our new website on November 1st as well. That's great. But right now, you can go to the YouTube page and look up all the Dr. Doreen videos, but it doesn't tell you what all the topics are. Mm-hmm. If you want to know what the topics are, just Google Ask Dr. Doreen. It will send you to a page that's on the card website okay. where it's all text. So it'll say potty training. Yeah, which is fabulous. You go to potty training, and then it shows you every question. Right. And you can click on the question, and it takes you right to that space in the video, which is brilliant. Yeah. And so the updated version of that, the whole Ask Dr. Doreen, every question ever asked on, on Ask Dr. Doreen will be coming on November 1st. On the new website that's perfect because yeah it, every it, there's a whole series of
2: uh, it's, it's the, we use that card the fox nazarine procedure and there's a series of steps and depending on where your child is you have to do the next thing so i can't really tell you the whole sequence because it might not even relate to you you maybe he's completely trained for urination and we're just talking about bowel movements now if we're talking about bowel movements it becomes really important to Uh, Figure out if he actually, if there are signs that you can tell he's about to have bowel movement. These signs could be anything from sometimes kids will go and hide in a closet or somewhere Mm -hmm. because they really want privacy. Um, Sometimes parents can just tell by the way they tense their body. Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, a child will have bowel movement at approximately the same time every day, right after eating, whatever it is. Those signs are very key to making sure that your child has a successful experience. And the the bottom line with it is that you make the bathroom a fantastic, fun Disney of a place. And uh, you take your child there. I I mean, this procedure actually starts with your child spending almost all of the day there and then gradually allowing the child out. But like I said, I don't want to give you advice right now cuz i don't know where your child is just go and look at these procedures online and i'm sure they'll be very helpful to but
1: just know that it that it's infinitely possible. One of the things I love about being around BCBAs is when you guys talk about potty training and you're like, it's the oh, easiest no, thing no, no, we can do that. It's the, so totally <clears throat> the easiest thing. There has never been a child who hasn't been potty trained. There you go. Ever. There you go. So totally, totally possible. Now I want to shift because we're almost out of time here. Uh, somebody had written in, and this, is, this just broke my heart. I'm an adult with autism. I was diagnosed through regional center, which is here in California. I feel like I am dumb because I still live at home at 35 and have no job, have never dated and am too stupid for school. I tried and failed for many years. What kind of work can someone like me do professionally? If I'm too dumb to get an education or work a normal job, is there a place for me? Break my heart.
2: That breaks my heart too and I we you know you are not dumb, and there are a million jobs that you can do. I mean if this is your writing, right, I, I, right? you what you have in your head thinking that you are dumb is completely not right. like that is just not true because you've, you've written us a beautiful paragraph here as well, and with r-
1: punctuation so much better than most people.
2: yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> That aside, I also want to just say like, there are all kinds of jobs and there are all sorts of opportunities for learning how to do a particular job. We just opened our first adult center. Yeah. Um, so I don't know where you are, um, but why don't you write into Shannon mm-hmm. and we will whether or not you're close to our center will definitely connect you with our adult supervisors and they will help you with vocational training, which we can get coverage for from regional center or even if you have health insurance and we will help you learn skills and we will help connect you to a job, which I think is important. But I think it's also important for you to be part of a maybe social group where you don't feel so horrible about yourself and I'm sorry that the world has maybe or life has maybe led to you feeling this way about yourself but I'm certain that there are things you can be successful at that will make you feel a lot better
1: about who you are and we're very happy to help you with that journey. Yeah. It just breaks my heart because somebody has sold you this bill of goods and said, you know, that you can't and that you're not smart enough. And and the evidence clearly states otherwise. So please write to me. S.Penrod at autism-live.com. There are lots of different things. As you said, there's, you know, a brand new center that's for adults in Downey, California. We've had Joanne Laura on the program a lot talking about autism works now. And their program is in more places now than it ever has been before. In fact, they, um, they hold one of their programs, their, their mother program, in a card center here in Woodland Hills. Um, but we, we are seeing more and more programs that there are for adults to teach Absolutely. you whatever it is you need to do to be able to have a job. And it's amazing the jobs that people can do and how good they are at it.
2: Definitely, and to have an enjoyable life. Like, please don't be down on yourself like this. Life is not supportive. It sounds to me like you're being punished, you know?
1: And we can make life a lot more enjoyable. And when you get the work piece together, and this is something that Joanne and Laura has taught me, is that everybody has the right to work. And when you get the work piece together, that's how a lot of people's social lives come Uh, into play. Absolutely. Right? No doubt. I mean, look at us. Yeah. And we all spend all day here, and we're all (laughs) friends with each other. No question. This is now our family and the people that we socialize with. And it's the way you meet people, whether it's that you, you know, a lot of times it's frowned upon to date with people at work. But sometimes you'll meet somebody at work who sets you up with somebody that you date with. It's It's a whole web of a system that. Maybe you haven't had the on-ramp onto that, right? but I know a lot of 35-year-olds who feel that way, whether they're on the spectrum or not. It's a difficult age, and some people just lock out and find their way onto it, but don't feel bad. Don't despair. There is absolutely a place for you. I also want to throw in there to make sure that you know today that there's a place for you. Please visit... WrongPlanet.net. Mm-hmm. Alex Plank's website, WrongPlanet.net, which he started as a 17 year old because he felt the same way. Is there a place for me? And he didn't see it, so he made it. That's awesome. And you will see that there are adults who are there who talk about the, the same difficulties that you're talking about, but a lot of them have figured out what to do. Some of them work at Disney. That's awesome. And some of them work, you know, for medical companies and and all kinds of things, and you'll see what they have to say about dating. Um, And I I would also tell you, you just missed it, but there is a conference, Love and Autism, every year Mm -hmm. that happens in San Diego that next year, Regional Center will pay for you to go to it. You just have to put in in advance, but it would be a great place for you to go, meet people, see what they're doing. I love that. I love this year, uh, I don't know if you know this, but... um, We love Sue Cho. Mm -hmm. She's one of the most amazing people who's worked at Card for how many years? Oh, 25 years. Okay. And um, Sue just got married in the last year. And when she was talking to me about um, getting married, I said, do you know what you're wearing for a gown yet? And she said, no, I have no idea. And I said, well, you know, have you considered, we have a couple of designers that we've had on the show well, she met with a designer that we've had on the show who's on the spectrum, and he designed her gown, and they became really good friends, and he was one of the presenters at Love and Autism. So she got, they have been talking online, and he sent her the wedding gown, but she went and finally got to meet him that's last awesome. weekend for the first time. Oh, that's but amazing. But these are the kind of people that you'll find at Love and Autism so that you can feel like, you find your community.
2: Absolutely. We all definitely. have to find our tribe. Yes, we right? do. That's
1: all right. right. Uh, Before we go, yes. to
2: real quick, the last question yes. asked if we do IQ tests Yes. Is. CARD doesn't but I have, we have a different company called Omid Psycho, Psychometrics uh-huh. and, uh, and we do do IQ testing so um, I, uh, we, the, the center right now is in the Hacienda Heights area okay. which is not too bad for you to go to if you want to schedule testing with us so why don't you send your information to Shannon and we can get your that info
1: out to you Okay. So again, s.penrod at autism-live.com and I can connect you. We're, we're, that's our that's timer our time. that we have done. we we have to release Dr. Grampy Pichet but stick with us because we're going to be back with Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Nancy Osborne-Jackson is already here. I can hear her. And uh, our guests today are Vince Redmond, licensed marriage and mm-hmm. family therapist and the fabulous, Maxine Rosalier, author of Queen for a Day, my favorite book this year. So stick with us back after these messages. i got to do the U-turn around the, the thing. Okay. So, Kelby, do I want the north entry or the south, or does it matter? Okay. Are we doing curbside bag check? Which way, Kelby? Left? Yeah. Kelby, can I go through the T? I have a toll tag. You go t- through the T,
8: okay.
1: What do you do that, like, you could just have spend two hours doing and have it suck all your time? Oh, I like to look up research, interesting research articles on animal behavior.
8: <clears throat> Found a really interesting, really interesting uh, European papers on how wolves are different than dogs that I read last week. That were very, very interesting. Very cool. Because I've always talked about a brain can be more social, emotional, or a brain can be more cognitive. Yeah. And the wolf turns out to be more cognitive, and we've bred the dog to be more social-emotional. How fascinating is that? Very, very interesting. The wolves are very good at watching another wolf solve a problem.
1: We were talking a little bit about television before, and I cannot believe that what you said to me, what, what, what you like to watch on television. Star Trek.
8: I was a Star Trek fan when I was a teenager. I liked the Star Trek Next Generation. I was watching that when I was working on my PhD in the 80s.
1: And so what total
8: Star Trek fan?
1: What's your favorite series and what's your favorite character and what's your favorite oh, Mr. episode? Oh,
8: this was my favorite character. Love it.
1: And uh what's your favorite episode? This well, guy is going to
8: My favorite Star Trek movie was the one with the whales. Yes. Yeah, I mine I liked too. That Star Trek movie.
1: And so sad that we lost Leonard Nimoy this year. Yeah so you, I didn't know that you like to watch television do you like to go to the movies too? Oh yes
8: yeah. so I went and saw Gravity. There's certain movies oh. that have to be seen in a theater like yeah. Gravity and Avatar. Yeah, I wanted to see Inside Out in the theater. I really liked that movie. What did you
1: think of that? I
8: liked it. I think it. I think about how the
1: emotions interact. I gotta be honest I had said after that that I thought that it was going to be a great tool for, for people to show kids on the autism spectrum about perspective-taking. Yeah. About what it's like in other people's heads.
8: Well, no. It's more like how the emotions inside your own head sort of conflict with each other. Yeah. Absolutely. So I love the Wizard of Oz, and I love the idea of the, wizard, of the Ruby Slippers. She had the way back home. She just didn't know she had it. Yeah. You see, and I think that's a metaphor for a lot of things. A lot of people have the Ruby Slippers, but they don't know they have them. They don't know they have the key. They can open up the door to a lot of really great stuff. So what would you say was your Ruby Slipper? Well, I had when some opportunities came up, like when I designed those dip fats. Um, that was a major uh, breakthrough for my business. Really? And when the head of the feed yard came up to me and asked me if I'd do it, I said, give me three weeks. You know, a lot of people would have been too scared to walk through the door. Now, this is pre-internet, and I knew it would take me three weeks to get some of the information I needed, especially on concrete reinforcement, to design the dip fats. But you did it. I did it. I was on the phone the next day to the USDA to get the drawings on the concrete reinforcement. Wow.
1: So I want to journey back to childhood for just a second and talk about friends, because a lot of times people ask about friends. Who was your best friend? When I was in elementary
8: school, one of my best friends was a girl named Eleanor. And she was the first girl in elementary school to get to take wood shop instead of cooking. And I was the second girl in our school to get to take wood shop. So We like to make stuff. It's all about making stuff. And I had good friends in high school, even though I got bullied and teased, I got friends who shared interests. Riding horses together, doing electronics together, doing model rockets together, doing stuff together with other, um, with other students.
1: So you found, like your mom says, about found, you found your tribe.
8: Yeah, and yeah. you've got to get them in yeah. doing things with other people.
1: And you did a lot of theater, and you, did you sing as a kid?
8: Yeah, I did. I, one of the problems I was singing is I couldn't synchronize my rhythm with somebody else's mm-hmm. rhythm. Do you different. still have a hard time doing that? I still have a hard time doing that. Because we were, we were going to ask you if you wanted to sing something in the car with
1: us. Well, I think maybe we'll skip that. <laughs> question. But the one question people always ask us is they want to know if you've ever been in love. No, never have. And, and you don't feel like you're missing anything.
8: I've seen so much turmoil in so many marriages that I haven't really seen a situation that would be a good model. And yet you gave me really good marriage advice. Because I'm a good problem solver. You have to, like, take the problem and cut it down. And in engineering, you have to find the root cause of a problem.
1: What do you think is your secret to your success as a teacher?
8: Well, presenting things really clearly. That's really important, making things interesting. Yeah. I think it's also important that it's something in a class that you know, a student can take home and use. I teach a class in cattle behavior and handling, and I've got a lot of students that are pre-vet that are going to go in the dog and cat, probably won't be handling any cattle. Okay. But I said, you want to design this corral system because it's visual problem solving. You have to figure out how to do it. It's not a cookbook. And then I have my internet project where they can pick out anything in animal behavior, and I make them dig into a narrow subject that I have to approve because I want them digging into Google Scholar and PubMed, Science Direct, and the other databases. they got to learn how to find stuff online, and I'm finding about two thirds of the students are not very good at that. How about this? Make Magazine. <laughs> this is the kind of thing that a lot of kids on the spectrum need to be doing the cool stuff in here. Really. Make
1: Magazine is going to love that you make did that. Make Magazine.
8: That's a yeah, wonderful magazine. And I. Like Okay, yes. yes, and they're resurrecting old satellites from mission control and an abandoned McDonald's. <laughs> That's the that. kind of stuff I really like. These are the kind of magazines we need to get the school. Make Magazine, Business Week, Science, Nature, Wired. we got to show kids out there. There's all kinds of super interesting yeah. stuff out there. Open but if the they brains. don't see it, then they don't know about it. I yeah, like nice. to geek out on construction oh, sites. Yeah. I like to salivate over all the equipment <laughs> they've got that we didn't have, like really cool man lifts and you know nice scaffolding. We didn't have any of that stuff. You didn't? No, we didn't.
1: What did you guys have? A Hored compass?
8: horrid ladder, so a really dangerous <laughs> is what we have.
9: I'm going to pull up right here.
1: Okay. We're going to get your stuff out. You have to get the mic too. you attached to mine. Welcome back. Hello? I was just talking about the fact that I went to a farmer's market this weekend. I was telling Nancy. Uh, and I should start by saying welcome to Let's, Let's Talk, Talk Autism, Autism with right. Shannon and yeah, Nancy. Here we are. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in mid sentence. There we go. There's Nancy. Uh, Here I am. Here I am. I, there you are. Welcome
10: to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon. There
1: you go. So, um, but I was just telling Nancy that we went to this farmer's market this weekend, and uh, my son is very epicurious. He loves, like, they had a raw oyster bar there, right? and he'd never had a raw That's oyster before. To me that he
10: likes food oh,
1: he was like, Can I try one? And I was like, Of course. And he loved it and put the different things he on loved it. The raw he loved yeah, but he loves smoked oysters. But I didn't yeah. think he. But would Wyatt try a, a raw oyster? I don't
10: think so. Not in a million
1: years. I, I man, it makes just the. I love oysters, but the idea of a raw one makes me want to gag. Well, you. if I put plenty of
10: like the sauce on top right. of it, seafood sauce and all he that. He
1: said with the lemon juice, mm-hmm. it was really good, and, and he put a little bit of the the horseradish on it too. But um, but we, you know, we had a friend there who was selling ancient grain. And uh, they grow uh, whole wheat, with, totally organic, and it's an ancient strain. That mm-hmm. they, and then they grind it and sell it at this farmer's market. So we wanted to go and see But them. it's not gluten-free, obviously. But that's Gluten City. In fact, we were joking right, about course. it. Jem walked up to their booth and in a British accent said, pardon me, do you have anything gluten-free? <laughs> right, because he's trying out his English accent. And, and my friend said, you know, G- we're gluten boy here. You're going to get away. <laughs> But then three booths down, they had a gluten-free baker with the most incredible stuff—this olive loaf and this rosemary loaf that we lost our minds over—and uh-huh. and dairy-free too. And we were standing there, and he was saying, "This is the best place on earth, my child." And and he said, "You know, the next thing we're going to find out is they've got cheese that doesn't have dairy in it." Right, and, I went, and they oh. did. And I said, "Oh, baby, don't wish for the moon." Right. As I turn around, and we're standing in front of a booth that is plant-based cheese. It's aged cashew cheese. Mm -hmm. They have a smoked one Mm. that is to die for. Mm, Sounds good. Now we can't wait to go back next week and get more. No, seriously, Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, a little bit of that. It's called uh, Oaky Smoky, and it's like cream cheese. Right. And um, and you spread it on the rosemary loaf, the Mm -hmm. rosemary focaccia yummy stop right it's so good so we had such a good time it, good. Was, it was an amazing thing good uh can you tell I'm a foodie no What <laughs> would ever make you think that that I'm into food but very very cool okay so we got a lot to talk about because we have right. a big we show right we have two
10: guests we have Vince Redman with us marriage family and their marriage and family therapist as yes. well as ABA
1: yes Uh, amazing amazing resource that he answers your questions and a little bit later we have Maxine Rosalaire am I saying it right yes we've had her on before she is the author of the book Queen for a Day which both Nancy and I read this summer and loved loved. did we not yeah we loved it. and so we're thrilled that we've got her back because there was a lot to talk about her with and we didn't get to all of it right she's She's got got some
10: some tips and some good things to talk about based on her experiences with her son
1: way to help other parents and we also have some in the news but we've got Vince Already on the, I think we should take a break okay, let's, and come back and, and talk to Vince okay, instead let's of taking that. up his time. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back with Vince Redmond, licensed and marriage family therapist extraordinaire. So stick with us.
11: Potty training is different for every child. A child could come in with absolutely, you know, no control over their bladder, and as long as that's not a medical issue, then we can certainly approach it behaviorally and give them the tools they need to be successful you know just like any other skill that we would teach
6: well we think he's learning to pee on the potty no big successes yet and lots and lots of accidents
11: here is the laundry from today for some of our kids takes you know just a couple days and then for other kids it can take months and months and months and then when you're looking at complete independence it can take years
12: hey you have to go pee pee
11: there's a lot of different ways to tell if a child is ready. We look for a couple different things. Um, probably the most important is parents saying, I need this to happen, I'm ready. Second is you know a child showing interest in the bathroom and some of it is simply age. It's time to go ahead and, and work on this. What
6: are you doing? Pooping. You're pooping?
11: You first start with teaching the child what they need to do on the toilet. The basic thing we want is for them to drink as much liquid as possible. It's inevitable that if you drink a bunch of liquid, you're going to pee. Help. No,
12: no, you, no, I can't help you
11: pee. Help. I can hold your hand, but I can't help you pee. Ultimately, what we want is that, you know, the child, as soon as they're put on the toilet, they urinate. So that's step one. Step two is usually um, working through the amount of time that they're off of the toilet and making sure that they're not having accidents during the time that they're off. So this is kind of the bladder control stage of things.
6: So the purpose of the potty log is just to see how long it takes them as soon as they sit on the potty for them to actually urinate and the amount of time that um, he's able to hold his urine. And with the log, we're able to visually see how long it takes them each time, and if they have accidents or not. He's on a half-hour potty schedule, so if he doesn't go when we take him, then we have to take him in 10 more minutes. So every 10 minute intervals until he does go, and then we reset the clock, and it's 30 minutes again.
0: Okay, buddy, okay, last chance, last chance to go pee-pees.
7: Do we reset it for 10? Oh, oh, what does that mean? What does that mean, Jack? It's potty time! We can come right after, hurry, hurry!
11: What we hope happens in this time is that the kids will learn how to initiate going to the bathroom on their own. This is oftentimes the hardest part of potty training is because they get so used to somebody telling them when they need to go that they're not really recognizing the signs just in their own body of when they need to go. oh,
7: he wet
5: himself. Uh
6: oh. Big wet? Was it a lot? We can reset it to half an hour now.
11: The biggest thing for parents is not to give up. The other big tip, and I think pitfall that a lot of parents fall into, is putting their children back into pull ups or diapers especially if they're starting to have accidents. And this is probably the worst thing that you can do. They need to recognize that feeling of fullness in their bladder and take themselves to the bathroom or tell an adult that they need to go to the bathroom.
7: What do you have to do?
10: Good, good potty training.
1: Well, and lovely to see how he's not that... In the first moment after he evacuates into the toilet, he's not that excited right. about it, right? But then everybody starts cheering, and mm-hmm. then he's like, mm-hmm. oh, I did something great, and he right. gets all happy. It's right. a wonderful example. Um, which brings me to our next thing, which is that we have joining us via Skype, Vince Redmond, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. But one of the amazing things about Vince, and there is a lot of amazing things about Vince, is that Vince, for a lot of years before he became an LMFT, was uh, a behavioral therapist. He was in the trenches doing this kind of work, has worked extensively with uh, all age ranges of kids. I always like to say, Vince, that I I think you have a particular affinity with our teenage kids, because I think that you're a little bit of a miracle worker with our teens, because uh, I, I don't know, you, I think it's the coach in you, Vince, because uh, <laughs> could Vince, be
5: because
1: Vince has uh, worked extensively coaching uh, soccer as well oh, okay. in his free time, okay. and so I think that that's part and parcel of that you just get it on a level that a lot of people don't with the teens. But anyway, so we're welcoming Vince back to the show. So thrilled to have you, Vince.
5: Hello, hello.
1: Good to have you here. And you are also, we need to say that uh, your position is that you are the director of Card Family Services, too. So you are a touch point for a lot of people um, to be able to have somebody to talk to, to talk through issues that really, truly gets it.
13: Right. Help resolve issues, come up with different solutions, work with staff members to make sure that, you know, everyone's being cared for.
1: Well, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, and we thank you for your service. So, Vince, we, we're, we're a week out on from
10: Halloween. Halloween, which is one of the most dreaded holidays of any autism mom.
1: Yeah. It's rough. It's rough, and there's so many different considerations for everything from the costume, whether the kid will wear it or not, up through, you know. Sensory
10: what, overload from the night.
1: Yes, but I but I got to be honest that now our kids are in a category where there's a whole new problem where it's other people making comments about older kids trick or treating, and I never yeah. know what the politically correct thing to do is in those circumstances. But I kind of want to smack people upside the head <laughs> and go, you know, just because just because you think that people should stop trick or treating at a certain age, it kind of right. makes me mad. Yeah, I get a little uppity about it. What do you right. feel about that, Vince?
13: well i agree i mean i i I, there's a, a saying or a little meme that's out there right now is you know instead of saying that would you rather them out doing other things at night right would you rather them being out you know getting involved in you know inappropriate behaviors or hanging around crowds that will lead to you know to to crime or to you know something that might harm them i mean the fact that they're out enjoying Uh, trick-or-treat they're they're enjoying the festivities and they're enjoying the holiday I think should be celebrated
1: I do too but I don't know how to get that out to the general public public I think we got to write a blog or something right Um, or do a video about it like Uh now Uh, but I but it is maddening. Right. So a, a whole bunch of things that, that come with Halloween. You know, there are some kids who have specific sensory issues. I remember on Parenthood, the, one of the first times I saw somebody address this in the public, uh, there was an episode of, of Parenthood where they went to do Halloween, but their son, who liked to dress up in a costume every single day, was so petrified of fire that he freaked out. And they actually had a scene where the mom and the dad were explaining it to other people saying, you know, our life isn't like yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was one of the first times that I saw something like that depicted on television. It was such a gift to all of us. But for the parents that are out there, they're, they're facing this holiday, and just like Nancy was saying, they're dreading it. What can mm-hmm. we give them, Vince, to help them to get through this in a way that doesn't... Make it, it should be a holiday. It should be celebrated instead of dreading it. And we'll talk about the candy issue, Oh, too. yeah, well, then there's that.
13: I think the, fir- the first thing is start planning for it now. I think a lot of the things that have happened and some of the frustrations that have happened with families is, you know, we get caught up in our day-to-day and busy. And before we know it, as you, as you guys were alluding to earlier, Halloween then is upon us. And the, the, we haven't properly, uh, you know, planned for it as a family, and we want to make sure that we do that as early as possible. Start looking at what are the sensory needs. What are some of the, maybe the, the defensiveness that the child might have? And so that we can come up with alternatives. We can come up with resolutions. Maybe we can even start desensitizing before Halloween gets here, right? We need to prepare for it, um, you know, like you were saying, differently than other families would, right? You know, A lot of other families, they just buy a costume and then on Halloween, boom get dressed get out go do what you need to do Um, and that's not the case for our families our families need to prepare for this we need to look at things that other families don't like you were saying like sensory needs dietary restrictions Um, you know, again, what do do they feel comfortable dressing up in, um, other clothes or costumes? Like you said, some kids love it. They want to be something else. They dress up in costumes all day long. So this isn't a problem, but some have very restrictive, you know, uh, uh, wardrobes that they wear. How can we adapt that? How can we use that? Um, to, you know, maybe be a part of the Halloween festivities. And maybe it's different. Maybe they don't go trick-or-treating. Maybe they go to um, different events that are in the community, like trunk-or-treats, where you have churches or different organizations that have very small, um, you know, events that they can partake in so that they still get to experience some of the festivities, but they might not be overwhelmed with having to go out trick-or-treating with so many other kids
10: right
1: even malls have the trick-or-treating right there are a lot of organizations
10: that have parties and special things going on what about the candy issue my son is gluten-free dairy free and of course they get candy from everybody that's loaded with uh dairy and gluten how do you deal with that
13: i think the one thing is what is the candies what is the stuff that we're handing out Right, I think for our, you know, for the families, you they want to be the ones that are showing that, so that you know, they should be handing out gluten-free candy, you know, candy or uh, casein-free, you know, treats, um, so that the child sees that this is okay, this is okay to hand out, and this is okay to be able to be, you know, to get these received. Um, you know, I, I have one family that has a great, you know, a great, great suggestion. What they do is they collect candy, and then they donate it. And they donate it to, you know, uh, again, a church or, uh, or a homeless shelter or to, you know, to centers like like card or to their PTOT speech, um, you know, and they don't, they donate it and they have like little bags and they write on it, right. They make a creative, um, you know, kind of art project for the kids and then they deliver it, you know, as you know, like it's a special delivery and things like that so that they understand that what they're receiving is going to then be donated. But again, there's a lot of preparation that goes into that so that they don't, have the expectation that they're going to be able to ingest or eat the candy, right? This needs to be addressed fairly early on that this is the candy that they're receiving is for somebody else, not for them. And then the treats that they're handing out that are, you know, uh, uh, appropriate to their diet, they will be able to get um, and choose some of those to be able to, to take as their treats.
10: Right. So they, so you tell your child that they can't have all the treats that are handed out and they can only have certain ones and you'll go through the bag with them later to, to determine which ones they can have.
13: Possibly. You know, in, in Maybe it's in the division stage where there's a bucket for a car, there's a bucket for speech, there's a bucket for your OT and then there's a bucket for the child and then together you're dividing what they can and can't have you know, so that It's distributed, and then they see at the end, this is the one that's for them, and this is the one that goes to their teacher and to their OT and to their speech pathologist and and so forth. So that it's a a fun activity to be able to do together, but then they also can see what they can have in the end. Because, again, a lot of times there are a lot of treats that are given that they can't have. You know, because I know there's a lot uh, of health conscious families that are out there now that are giving out a lot, you know, more healthy snacks um, and things of that nature that they might be able to have. And plus, there are some candy and some treats that wouldn't have the ingredients in there that they're, you know, that they're allergic to. So that would be stuff that they would be able to to have as well.
5: Um, But again,
13: it's not something to do only after the fact because the child's gonna have the anticipation that this is for them. This really needs to be worked on and have a plan and practice prior to Halloween so that they know what that expectation is going to be. Well, right. if I love not, the idea they're expecting to keep it.
1: I love that, Vince. I love the idea of starting with your candy, the candy that you're giving out and having them separate and say this piece of candy would go to our OT office and this one so that they're sorting it, that they're learning um, you know, I can't have that one right. so that they're learning it for themselves. I love that. We always did a thing with Gem when he was little that um, we um told him that we didn't tell him what candy was he'd never had it because we started so early but we told him that the stuff that he got that was candy uh that we would trade it into the lego fairy and that the lego fairy would come and take it and leave behind a lego oh wow now we know other people that then started doing that with the barbie fairy Mm -hmm. uh that the barbie fairy would come and take the candy and leave behind a barbie um, this year, for the first time, I have a son who has found out he's discerned which candies he can have right. and likes to eat those candies. So I, he'll sort for himself, but he, I have to teach him now because we never had this issue before Mm -hmm. about how much candy is appropriate to have because he would just eat the whole thing. Right. Ryan gives out the
10: candy that's like milk chocolate to other kids that he sees while he's trick-or-treating.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. That's a fabulous thing. And, you know, I was in Walgreens last night, Vince, and they had signs that they were giving out. There's this blue pumpkin movement that you can put a blue pumpkin out in front of your house to signify that you you have treats that aren't candy and allergy, but Walgreens has signs that say allergy friendly that they're giving away to families if you're going to be doing allergy friendly um, treats and and tricks, tricks and treats. Yeah, right. That's right. Um, and the thing is, it's becoming a lot
13: more mainstream, right? Yeah. It's not just special education or or, you know special needs families and and children that this affects right nut allergies egg allergies milk allergies I mean these are becoming more prevalent in in society more kids that have these types of allergies where you again like Walmart and and Target and so forth are are addressing these needs by providing um, candies and treats and different things that that would be appropriate for them. You know, where before, and you ladies remember, right, when we when gluten and casein free diets started, it was, you know, it homemade stuff was really the only thing that can be yeah. done because it was really hard to find anything that didn't have flour
1: in it. Oh yeah. We now, didn't
13: bother we have whole stores. You Ralph's and Bonds have whole aisles of gluten free things. So it's it's fortunately we're we're in a time now where this is a lot more accessible to to foods and treats that will fit in their diet.
1: Absolutely, and they are treats. I want to caution all of us, there was an article that we don't have included in the news this week because we've been covering this a lot, but our kids are prone to be heavier. And yeah. we have to be careful because we think, ooh, it's a treat and they don't get it very often. But a lot of times, it, maybe it doesn't have, it, maybe it doesn't even have sugar in it, but it's got tons of calories mm-hmm. and we all have to be mindful. Of, of what our kids are eating, no matter what. And sometimes it may not have gluten and it may not have dairy, but it might have red dye number, right. whatever. Right, a lot of candies
10: would dye. Oh, in
1: them. yeah, 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 yeah. So um, lots of things to be concerned about. So, moderation in all things, a word that I'm not good with. Right. I am not good at the moderation <laughs> thing, clearly. But um, but we need to be aware of that for our kids to make sure that they're eating healthy. But so Vince, what do you say for the, ang- I think one of the biggest things is the anxiety that comes with Halloween. The anxiety on the parent's side about, are we going to be able to do this? Uh, you know, is my kid going to be able to, you know, do whatever it is that you've planned? Because it's just one more time when we tend to be made to feel different. Right.
13: Yeah. in in, in a lot of that, again, goes into the early preparation, not only physically by getting things ready, but mentally too, right? The more we practice what we're going to do for Halloween, the less anxiety us as the parents will have, as well as the less anxiety the kids will have too. If they, you know, with our kids things have to be as predictable as we can make it so that they know what their costume is going to be. We've tried it on, that they've worn it before. This is not the, you know, Halloween's not the first day that they've ever tried that because that you could get a very negative reaction with that. Um, that we practice the sorting, that we've, you know, whatever routine and, and, and uh, you know, uh, plan that you guys feel is going to be appropriate that it's planned ahead that we go ahead and practice that as a family so not only the anxiety of the child goes down but then us as the parents have have a blueprint of what we're going to do we have the instructions of how we're going to do it and that makes it easier for us than trying to think and adjust on the fly and a lot of that happens on halloween when we do wait until halloween to actually roll out what we want to do, because we never know how it's going to go. We don't know how the kids are going to react, um, and how they're going to respond to not only the excitement, but also sometimes that sensory overload with having so many, you know, kids out there and in, and, and, and you know, different changes in the, in the, in the routine. Right? You don't typically see kids walking up and down the streets at eight o'clock at night. This is going to be new for them, and so when we're able to practice it. And sometimes the kids don't go out. Sometimes it, they stay home and they're the delivery of, of the treats, right? They put the treats in the bag and they wear um, their their costume at home because it is too overwhelming to go out for them. And that's okay. We can then come up with a plan and a, a, a routine at home so that they can participate that way instead. Yeah. But either way, preparation is is going to be help very helpful for everyone's anxiety
1: yes and I I agree with you too Vince that there's a there's a part of it that's letting go of the expectation of what you thought it was going to be right which is every day right right? but I know uh, one mom taught me that you know you get the costume on them get a picture quick right Uh away and that way as the evening progresses and they like you know they take off the headpiece it's like who cares yeah, uh, and exactly. they take off the gloves who cares yeah. because it's not it's like what, <clears throat> what was the expectation that they were going to be in the costume the whole night but get the costume on and get the picture right boom because and,
10: here in Southern California it tends to be a warm night anyway and yeah. sometimes they can't wear the whole costume for the whole time and if you right. don't
1: get the picture in the first five minutes let me just tell you you're not going to get right. it and that's a bummer uh-huh. if you don't get the picture but if you've gotten the picture <clears throat> you know like that's that's like everything <clears throat> else is gravy right right
13: Right. No, exactly right. Exactly right. And I think, and then you can have them get ready for the picture, pose for the picture and yeah. be excited for the picture and actually have that as part of the plan so that we get the pictures and then we get ready to go out. Yeah. And then, like you said, after that, it's all, you know, it's it's all fun and festivities. You know, if they take their mask off, that's okay. If they take their, you know, ribbon off, that's okay. If they take their, you know, my, my daughter, you know, had pigtails for a costume, was having not having anything of that yeah. you know and kept pulling them out you know the minute we stepped out the door you know what that's okay yeah. let them have fun at that point it's just it's all fun we have the pictures and the memories um you know and see how cute they are and then the rest is let's have a good time you know and, and i think you pointed out a really good point shannon is don't have preset expectations of the way it has to be yeah right have the expectations of we're gonna have fun no matter how it's going to be
1: I think that's one of the hardest thing about holidays is that we're all chasing the perfect holiday mm-hmm. um, and you know in some cases it's you know an actual holiday that we had in our childhood but in some cases it's just a made-up perfect, hallmark holiday Mm -hmm. that we think we have coming to us Mm -hmm. and I don't know anybody who has that right even if they have autism families right no even if they have it it looks like they have it if you ask them questions you realize no they don't have it either but it so it is it's that thing of letting go and just being in the moment Mm -hmm. and taking what you can and Um, I always get myself so revved on Halloween that I want it to be a certain thing. I want it Mm -hmm. to be a certain thing. And it usually takes me a good 10 minutes in before my husband will say something or I'll say something that I'm like, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it just be what it's going to be. Uh, it's hard for me, but I get there. Uh, one of our viewers said, it's teal pumpkin, and it lets the trick-or-treaters know that they have special treats like toys. I did pick up the other day in just our grocery store, uh-huh. they were selling these really cool tubes of bubbles, mm. um, which you can give for trick-or-treat. Um, they were long and skinny in different colors, Halloween colors, and it was, I, I was like, ah, that's going to my teal pumpkin. So I, because I, I do, I, we give away candy that has gluten and dairy in it. Mm-hmm. We do, but I always try to make sure that we have something different. Do you give away candy, or are you guys out? We're out trick
10: or treating, so we don't give away candy. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's hard because you know. Uh, right. But
13: sometimes they give out glow sticks and they give yeah. out you know little things that, that you know that they can be that easily bought in bulk and be able to give out that the kids will love it, right? Anything that glows, <laughs> the kids really like. Bubbles, again, that's another great one.
1: Yeah. Well, but I didn't yeah. think about glow sticks before because you can get those and they're pretty inexpensive. Mm-hmm. And it actually is great because then it helps to keep them lit up so that the cars can see them. Right. So right. what a wonderful thing. Great idea, Vince. This has been wonderful talking with you. As always, we appreciate you so much. Uh, but we don't want to keep you from what you got to do. Thank you. And we want to remind people, um, if somebody is a card client and they have a need to talk to you, whether it's that they've got an issue or they just want somebody to talk to, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you, Vince?
13: They can email me at v.redmond, R-E-D-M-O-N-D, at centerforautism.com.
1: Vince, is that how you say your name? Yeah. So for like six years, we've been saying your name wrong?
13: no no everyone i, I say red
1: okay i mean you all say right.
13: redmond but when you, you say redmond it, to spell it
1: okay <laughs> oh okay so all right it, all spell right, it right all right i just didn't want to be saying your name wrong forever and ever and ever thank okay. you vince, thank you for joining you. us vince
5: have a no happy promise. halloween have
1: a great rest of your week you too okay. bye-bye. bye-bye i just love vince yeah. everything yeah. is better when vince is there right. i have to say I, I have spent like a week with vince working at a conference with my son he's just the best um, he's wonderful. All right, we're going to take a break, mm-hmm. and then we're coming back with our guest, Maxine Rosalaire and she is. Are the, we going to do in the news first, or are we going to wait? On I that? think no. I I think we. It's time for, and we'll for do Maxine news at the okay. at the end, and talk a little bit right, of a recap good. on denim and diamonds. Okay. So stick with us. Back in a few minutes. We are here at the Los Angeles Zoo. We've got quite a group here. I've got my son, Jem, Mike from the A Word, and Jack Riley, star of the A Word, and Jessica. We've got a whole crew of people, and we're going to take a tour around the L.A. Zoo and see some exciting animals. Sound good, you guys? Yeah! What
6: are the safety rules, though? Who do you have to stay next to? Daddy and DJ.
1: So remember what we talked about, that every time you do something good, I'm going to write it on my hand. When you get 35 of these, what are you going to get? Three
6: hours
1: of a Yes, it's not a secret. You can tell people. What kinds of things do you need to do to get a mark on my hand?
6: Being kind. (laughs) And good listening. Jem, can you show him where the, where the um, chimpanzees are from? Point it out to him. Show Judge private.
1: Yeah. And tell us what your responsibilities are here at the LA Zoo.
0: I am the manager of volunteer programs at the Greater Los Angeles Zoo Association. I I oversee the docents, the student volunteers, the general volunteers, and community service
1: volunteers. Give us an overview of what kinds of things people can see at the zoo there
0: are lots of lots of animals to see we have a lot of endangered we are participate in a lot of conservation programs and we offer a lot of education programs for our community for uh, school groups for
1: members uh, special needs what kinds of accommodations can you make when somebody has specific issues
0: Uh, we have our special needs outreach program and where we have a van that goes out into the community and we bring a handful of animals to facilities that can't quite get to the zoo so that could be a school that could be a retirement community that could be a hospital uh, and there's some court courthouses that we visit as well. we bring a couple animals and we talk about them and it's kind of a fun experience. Um, so that's our outreach program. And then on grounds we also have uh tours and we offer special needs tours for people cater to their needs. We have our petting zoo so you can go and you can pet some
1: goats. We're here with from Autism Live and we were wondering if you could tell us what it's like to be a goat in the zoo.
0: Really? And then we have our Condor Rescue Zone so you can go in and pretend you are a condor or you could be a biologist or you could be a vet and it's kind of fun. Thank you for all the work that you
1: do here and for making it accessible for all of our kids. Here with Janet Jackson. Janet, tell us what your role at the zoo is. My role is a docent and we're volunteers. How did you learn all the things that you know? Well that's the great
10: thing about the Los Angeles Zoo. We have a special docent program. It's one of the most stringent ones in the
1: in the country. Actually it's UCLA accredited class. Well it added so much to our visit to the zoo today. So I mm-hmm. thank you for all your knowledge and, and all your giving to the community.
10: Well thank you because I had a special needs child too and I think it's so important that they interact with animals and that helped my son when he was going through so much trauma that we saw that he was able to um, to grow and to expand a little bit and it just helped us as parents because we had a tool to use and we saw the love and the, and, and, and the care that
1: he was able to bring out just by touching animals and being around animals because there is no judgment there. Amen to that. Well, thank you for paying it forward because you are. I definitely saw you doing that today. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. What was hard for you guys today at the zoo, do you feel?
12: Um, To be completely honest, I was about to say um, this is the easiest, best outing I can recall. My concerns are uh, I think we're sort of past elopement, but it's, it's always on my mind when it's just With the two of us out in a, you know, you can get 20 feet away if it's busy and be lost, you know, uh, be be misplaced. But nothing like that happened today. Um, There were a lot of people helping me, of course.
1: It was interesting for me because Jem hasn't been here since he was three, like right after we started therapy. And I remember that was hellish the day that we were here. Sometimes I don't notice the progress until we're out someplace like this. Do you feel like that's true
3: too?
12: Yes, today I was actually comfortable with him being 15, 20 feet away and even if he wasn't holding uh, anybody's hand or anything I was comfortable and that's uh, that's a new feeling
1: <laughs> I I watched that and I said man there's no way we could have done that at that age so he's doing really well and I was so engaged by how Jack Riley is so aware of the circumstances around him he's really doing great yeah he thank you he's curious he's um, and he's
12: just learned a lot I mean I and I can't give Enough credit to uh, Miss Jessica. Um, No disrespect to any of our other therapists, and she's been with him for the whole time. So that's a constant in his life, and uh, I dread the day when she's not.
1: (laughs) It's always amazing. You know, we had our rock star on our team. There's always one therapist that just becomes a part of your family forever. What would you say to parents who are afraid to do it even with an aide?
12: I understand your fear, um, because I've always had it um but sometimes they surprise you uh, i know it's called a spectrum for a reason and my son is not like any other son or daughter and so i can't advise you on what might may or may not happen uh, we were always worried about transitions they're getting better because we do it and explain what is expected before you get here that's a uh, that was a hard lesson for me to learn but every time i don't explain them th- to him the expectations um, I have more problems. I have more transitional issues, but when he knows what transitions or he's going to face that day, he handles it. So my advice would be, talk it out, but come do it and, and uh, come again, even if it's a horrible experience, because it might be. You got to do it the first time before you can do it the second time. So.
1: I think in general, I mean, you know, I explained the expectations here, and we carried it out of my hand. I agree with you. It's super duper important. I think it's good for us too, because then we know what we're expecting too.
12: And they've engaged each other a little bit, which I was very uh, happy to see.
1: Thank you so much for coming and doing this play date with us. We had a really great time. Well,
12: thank you for having me. I enjoyed it, and uh, it was just a great experience. I can't wait to tell my wife how well he did. So,
1: And let's do it again sometime. Okay, anytime. Yeah. And
10: we are back with Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. And as promised, we have a return guest, Maxine Rosaler, who wrote the book Queen for a Day, which Shannon and I just absolutely loved. Oh, um, yeah. It was just amazing, Maxine. Found the-
1: I got to say, it's my favorite book this year mm-hmm. that I've read. Uh, there are things about it. It's months since I've read it. There are things that I still think about. I laughed, and I can name maybe seven books in my, and I read a lot, I can name seven books that I've laughed out loud during, and I laughed out loud during Queen for a Day, but it's also incredibly moving. It is,
10: very emotional, and um, you've been nominated for a lot of awards now, right?
9: Well, yeah, but you know, I'm really kind of like, you know, pissed off because the, um, okay, I'm printing the post on my face now. Because, okay. um, you know, I didn't get any mainstream reviews. Um, so I don't feel like I'm getting enough coverage. But um, I got this great review. I'll, I'll send it to you. I'm not going to waste time. Okay. But anyway, um, but yeah, I was nominated for a lot of awards. I'm, I'm not even going to pay it-
1: it's a it's a fabulous book. It should get mainstream uh, reviews. And I'll tell you something else. Uh, I would encourage you to get the book to some of the people that all these women that have production companies now, because yeah. there are there are great female actresses that this would be a tour de force for them if they were to do a film version of your book. And I'm I, there are well,
9: you know, there are. There- there are people interested in it, but let's talk. I would like to talk to you about that okay. sometime. All right. But there are people interested, but I want to make sure it's done the right way.
1: OK. So the, today, when uh, there were a lot of reasons why we wanted to have you come back, Maxine. There are so many things that we were excited to talk to you about. And you really are a woman on a mission. You want to help other moms. You. One of the do. things that you said to us is that you recently did a show, Who Lives Like This? And that the discussion came up about talking about identity and how women identify themselves as mothers and how special needs mothers identify. And so let's talk a little bit about that. What particularly moved you about this discussion?
9: Well, it was actually my initiation with something I've been thinking about. What happened was I was with a friend of mine who's a very wonderful person. I adore her and she's, she was very successful um major and then she had a very, really disabled daughter. And I was talking to her about identity, and I said to her, just casually, you know, I don't really think of myself as a special needs mother. Um, you know, I just don't think of myself that way. And she said, oh, that's all, that's the only way she thinks of herself. And then that that moment, during that time with her, I felt that that my identity had been assumed into this, um, identity as special needs mother, and I really hate it. Um, I don't think it serves any purpose. I think it's very counterintuitive, um, and I don't think it serves any purpose for your child as a, quote, you know, stupid term, right? Special needs child. I think it's just to do the work and, and get on with your other identity, whatever you can. So that's what I was, <clears throat> so I initiated Fashion. And in fact it was interesting because I had a um an interview with Leonard Lopez, you know, he's on BAI now. You know him. He has a kid, but um but anyway, um he's you know, very well known. Um and I was talking about that with him and I just said that I just don't like it. Um Um it, so what do you think about it? you know
1: it's interesting um i i do a show now called the autism Momologues, and there's a there's a part in it where i I, there's a show that i a a one woman show that i do called the autism Momologues, and there's a character in it that she brings up the discussion of why do autism moms call themselves autism moms there's no other group on the face of the earth like you don't hear people say i'm a diabetic mom right or i'm an alopecia mom or you know, like nobody else identifies themselves by the diagnosis of another person. And, and you know, this character that I wrote says this, but it, I, I think about it all the time and I have infinitely more trouble identifying myself as an autism mom. And I do it only because it's quick. I wish there was a way that I could explain to people in terms that, that isn't about him what it is that i'm trying to say you know what i mean mm-hmm. cuz when i'm saying to somebody i'm an autism mom i'm trying to say to them i'm a part of this community and i get it mm-hmm. but i wish there was another way of saying it cuz i don't like the words but i can't come, well, come I've, up with Well you know what i've never
9: once said that and really? i don't think i think
1: i have
9: never once and i think it's very counterproductive and it's interesting that you're thinking along those lines the same you know the same way that i am i just don't think it serves a purpose um you can just say you have a kid you know on the spectrum right right yeah so don't make it it your whole identity takes up every minute of your day and you're worried about all the time and you don't stop working
10: right
1: yeah i love that nora efron always used to say that there should be five words that you use to describe yourself and that they they'll change throughout your life yeah and really, yeah, Nora Ephron Nora was really big on that. So, you know, maybe you're you're a friend and you're a wife uh-huh. and, and you're a writer and you're all of these things. But over the years, your role will change and those five words that you use to describe yourself will change. Because right. at, at a certain point, you're a daughter. And then, not that you're not a daughter anymore, but when your parents die that isn't going to be one of the five big things anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it has been an interesting thing for me lately that I am questioning Why? that we're in the realm of, you know, I do think of myself now as just being a mom. Uh-huh. And when did that happen? I'm excited that it happened, but when did it happen? Um, and I do think it's important that we all get to that, mm-hmm. But when you have other considerations, it's hard to deny that, too. Yes, it's it a is.
10: part of your life. It's a part of your whole life it, it does become a part of your whole identity. When
1: you're a sure caregiver, it, but, but is it that we should be calling ourselves caregivers then? Or it is an interesting question, Maxine. I think I don't,
9: I don't think it serves any purpose. I think it just is about the work. You know, that's all it's about. And you're just you're doing the work and it's just. Something you do. I don't think you, sir, I think it's counterproductive because I did feel that just based on my one experience as having felt my identity being lost in that. It was a very disheartening thing. I don't, and I didn't like it.
1: So now that know. you're looking at it differently, Maxine, do you feel yourself being more yourself and more of your own identity having let go of that?
9: I've never had it. I never once in my life, except for that one moment with my friend Anne, that I felt like an autism mother. I've never felt it. In fact, I was saying to my daughter, you know, Sammy, I don't feel like a mother. And she says, I can't even, I said to her, I, don't, I can't even i my a mother. And she said, neither can I. <laughs> <laughs>
10: <laughs> Which, you know, that speaks volumes about what a great mother I am.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, no, that's amazing. But,
10: now, Maxine, one of the things you said that you would like to help others learn from your mistakes, so you would like to tell them, other mothers out there, to take care of themselves and to choose their battles. Can you elaborate on that?
9: I think that's really important. Um, when, when Benji was first diagnosed, um, you know, I spoke to some, some people, and they said, take care of yourself. And, of course, the whole notion of taking care of myself is so absurd and so beside the point. And I didn't take care of myself. And for years, I just threw myself headfirst into this never-ending battle. And it costs a lot. I mean, it doesn't serve, it doesn't help you be a better mother. Um, it takes years off your life, really. You know, I don't know if, you know, specifically mothers of children with um, autism, actually with special needs, or, um, live, don't live as long as regular people.
1: But it doesn't um, surprise me. Yeah.
9: Yeah, no, it's... it's actually um and so i don't think it, i think it's very important to take care of yourself and i think one you know and to sort of give yourself time i'm not i'm not saying that i do this myself but i'm saying that it's a really good piece of advice
1: yeah and you um, advise for us to know our limits man i'm not yeah, good at that
9: yeah because like basically the way i work and the way i always did with benji was i would be working for the moment i woke up Until I went to sleep, but not even until I went to sleep, until I just could not physiologically endure endure it anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do.
1: I think we both were nodding our heads because Ben there done that. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I, you know, my husband would say to me, you know, you got to pull the plug on this. When is enough is enough. And I, I still struggle with knowing when enough is enough.
9: I know. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea, but I think it's very good advice, don't you?
1: I do, I do. I just you want know, to figure out how we all get there. Um, well,
9: you know, another way of doing it, I'm sorry for interrupting. No, no, go ahead. But Another way of doing it, I think that's very helpful, is to find other mothers. I think it's very important to be part of a community of one other person, however many mothers you find. Because I think knowing that you're not alone in this
10: can help support that.
1: When you say for younger mothers that you want to encourage them to trust the system, I got to tell to you. not I,
10: trust the system. No,
1: to not trust Oh, okay. I read it wrong because I was kidding? like, I, I, I was going to say, because in the book, you're. Are you. Kidding? Okay. No, <laughs> that makes total right. more sense. I read that and I was like, how can she be advising that? Not trust the system. I love no. that advice.
9: Yeah. No, you can't trust the system. You can never trust anyone to tell you the truth or don't. Don't don't assume. You know what happens also is like you go into this and you with an open heart because your heart is broken, and you're going into it and and you're with your hands out and your heart open and then it's like having salt to switch metaphors here. Um, it's like having salt rubbed into a wound because these people don't care. <laughs> There's almost like a corporate culture of not caring and of arrogance. Um, and the people who do care—I don't know what it's like in California—and there are some districts that actually do take care of children, but they're very few. Um, so I would say that that be prepared not to not to be helped and to have to fight.
1: Yeah, I know. I certainly experienced, and I when I read your book, I was like, oh, because there are parts of your book where you're talking about fighting with a school district mm-hmm. that it was so healing to Mm -hmm. me to hear it put in from another mother's point of view so that I felt like I wasn't crazy but I always felt like I was standing in front of a group of people who were trying to automate something that they were trying to get it to the point where they could make it one size fits all yeah and that I kept saying but that's crazy it's an individualized education program but I constantly felt like they were like No, we made a program, Mm -hmm. and your kid has to fit in the program. And it's like talking to crazy people because you're like, no, 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 it's not the task here. The task is to create something that fits this child, not a program, but that they were constantly shoving us into this mold or that mold. And if you don't fit the mold, and I don't know any kid that fits the mold, right? then where do you go? So yeah. I, I appreciated your book so much because I thought you articulated exactly what it feels like when you're going up against this system.
9: Well, yeah, and it's very, very ugly. I mean, it's ugly beyond words when you think about what happens. Because here you are, a heartbroken mother, and it's your child. And they're doing this to your child. So there's the combination is just unbearable. Um, that said, I feel that that each person has to know what they can do. Yeah. You know, not everyone can go and and fight the system. Um, and you have to sort of know your limits in terms of your personal limits and also your limits in terms of what you're capable of doing.
10: Yeah.
9: Um, Let's talk I a mean, little
10: bit about what you're doing with Benji now, which is self-direction. Well, yeah, man. I mean, if I didn't have
9: self Benji was graduating from high school. I was terrified. Um, I, you know, I was crying. I was going, I was just, I was just, on, I just didn't you know what I was going to do. I looked into the programs, but, you know, no way I was going to put in the program. And he wanted to go to college. How could he go to college? He was, um, you know, he was in a class with six kids and two teachers, and he always had a shadow. Um a call them. Um, and then I actually went to I, I told I wasn't told it self-direction, so I went through this agency. Um, and they paid like I hired myself, but they paid like eleven bucks an hour, ten bucks an hour. And then I found out about self-direction. And self direction lets you hire train your own staff decide what your child can do, wants to do, is capable of doing, and then putting together the program and using your budget to to allocate funds since you're managing the program, since you are the you know quote unquote administrator of the program, you're offsetting a lot of a lot of administrative costs and you're able to pay people work with your child much more money. And it's a dream eventually would not be able to go to college if it weren't for the program. I have a friend um, whose kid is... Uh, I, I, who's, oh, yeah, my friend Wendy Kaplan, who you must talk to, she has an autistic daughter, and she created a farm. her oh, daughter. Uh-huh. And she couldn't have done this, had self I mean, she had to, you know, she had to have money for the car, but the other people can be part of that Right through self right. So there are... No, any you can find what a child is interested in and do it and Absolutely. not dump for her into some, some day hab program.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And self determination, it really is the cutting edge. Unfortunately, we are like so out, We're of, out time, of time. I didn't even realize Once how late again, it is. But we but start
10: talking I, to you and we can't stop. I so, know because you're oh, so fascinated. Well, yeah, I had,
9: I had requested an hour actually, but I guess it didn't go through.
1: Uh, well, and in any case, I want to r- remind people that in, in New York State there is um, this self-direction. self-direction. In, California. in California, they California call it uh, self-determination. We do have it starting on January 1st for a select group of people. Um, but if you want more information, Google it in those two states because okay. you know it's a thing that's happening. And it is amazing, Maxine. We love you. We love your book, Queen for a Day. And uh, everybody should tell read us. It. Everybody I really should read do. I- it. Tell us where we can get the book.
9: Okay, well, where's the picture of it? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it's all over, the, you know, on Amazon.com, I guess. Um, you can do it there, Barnes & Noble. You know, any any books, to, I mean, just Amazon definitely has it. I, okay. And you can also go directly to Houghton Mifflin.
1: And um, my favorite oh, no, book that I've read Mifflin. this What's year. Yeah. That's
9: not my publisher. Oh, my God. It's, uh... Anyway, <laughs> they any case.
1: books. Things in the future. Um, but my favorite book that I read this year, Nancy Mine just said too. hers as well. Uh, so get that book. Maxine, thank you so much thank for you being for with us. joining again. We're totally out of time, and we didn't even get to talk about Denim and Diamonds. No. But next week is our Halloween show. We will definitely show some pictures uh, from Denim and Diamonds. Okay. But, Nancy, it was a beautiful event. Good. You did an amazing job. I'm glad that you, if were you there. If you didn't get to see some of the footage, there was a West Ring reunion on the um on the red carpet it was was amazing it was great you got some great interviews it was like you know bucket list stuff it was truly truly amazing we're totally out of time i apologize for for running short no time for news um but please we'll be back tomorrow with great guests give your kiddos a hug from me and yourselves a hug from me bye-bye for now bye-bye for now